0: Hello and welcome to another podcast of Father and Joe. I'm here with Father Boniface Six, and I'm Joe Rocky. And as I mentioned at the end of the last podcast, Father, one of the things I wanted to talk about was kind of what I've been gathering from the saints and kind of our conversations we've had about how to become saintly, which ultimately is part of the goal of the church is to get us all down the direction of doing well. And our last podcast, we were talking about how everything needs to be done instantly through the means of communication. And one of the things that the Saints I'm least looking into seem to be slowing it down, thinking. Most of them lived in an era where it took, though I don't know the technology at the time, an incredibly long time to write anything in mass production. So when you look at people... Um, like St. Thomas Aquinas who writes this great long book that takes time and with a, they all seem to have a vision as far as a long term goal that is more important than the short term immediacy of now and I just wanted to see if there's any introductory thoughts about that and, and kind of a, to guide the conversation There's a
1: psychiatrist that I know who defines maturity as the capacity to delay gratification. And so another way of saying what we've been saying about the instantaneous or the desire for instantaneous gratification is that we've developed a whole society of immaturity. And just learning how to delay gratification or how to invest in something. And and I think we see this in... Uh, In your line of work, Joe, the, the number of people who are able to build up a business and actually have a business plan that lasts over the course of years and that involves developing capital and hiring employees and looking ahead and investing in a way that's a reasonable growth and doesn't overextend yourself and is willing to wait for years before maybe the real return on investment gets... Turned around to a significant degree, so that you're really making some money and making some progress. I mean, the number of people who live without savings, who live from paycheck to paycheck, who live even beyond that with credit card debt constantly, is—they're uh, all signs of ways that we seek after instant gratification. And starting to build up long-term projects, starting to save money. Uh, thinking in bigger terms than just today and tomorrow, there are all ways to expand our maturity, our capacity to delay gratification. Like you said, whether it's the project of a, of a book, uh, whether it's the project of building a house, whether it's the project of saving up for some significant purchase, or whether it's the project of entering into a lifelong relationship. Uh, where, taking those things seriously and having the proper preparation and not rushing things and any ways that we can do that any ways that we can enter into longer term commitments are going to help to develop our capacity for delaying gratification and uh, there's really a virtue, a
0: discipline that we're developing in that yeah and, and that point you just made about saving up the money to me is might be the nature of how I've gotten here in life but to me is one of the most important things you can do you know, when you save up for money, regardless of who you are, what situation you're in, and you know that I've saved up enough that if I lose my job or whatever, I can still function in a normal life for six months, that gives you freedom that you need. Because, let's face it, not everyone's in the ideal situation in every aspect of their life whether it be um, a work condition that you're not exactly thrilled with or you know something going on with with relationship or that's you know you're with them because you need the income support so those are all problems and when you take control of, of the money aspect and this isn't to say the money's everything but it does give you a degree of freedom that you could walk in the door the ninth time the boss is flipping out about something that everyone knows is irrelevant and he's just showboating essentially then you can say I don't need to deal with this anymore, I'm out and you know that you also now have six months of freedom to find a situation that will be right for you and I that's one of the things that, that I've found going through it that is really beneficial and then You know, getting up from six months to a year, then a year to two years, then two years to three years. And then one time that you wake up and you realize you've gotten that number high enough, that I'm probably not going to live longer than it, and you don't need to work anymore. So that's that's the definition (laughs) of saving for retirement. But most people don't look at it like that. You know, it, it starts with, okay, I need to save enough to be able to go that if I don't get my paycheck next week, I'll be okay. And sometimes the easiest way to do it is just break it down into days. You know, this is how much I spend in a month. Divide that by 30. This is how much I spend every day on average. And then just go, okay, how many days have I saved up for? And then, you know, one day you wake up and realize, boom. So I know that wasn't your, your totality of your point, but I think that that's something that, it's a fear that's out there and fear staples people into bad situations is one of the things that is true for anyone that it takes a large degree of inner strength to overcome a fear and monetary fear is a very real thing with our society that we don't ever really talk about and that's something that i wanted to kind of throw out there, since you brought up that point, it's kind of what popped in my head.
1: Absolutely, and that's very much your area. It's one of the differences between you as a lay person in the world and me as a consecrated religious. Being a religious, I make a vow of poverty, chastity, and obedience, and part of that aspect of poverty is that I don't worry about my own finances. We have a communal responsibility, and we have communal income, and there's somebody that's taking care of that, but it's one of the blessings that allows me to focus on other things that I don't have to deal with some of those details again they come up periodically and I get a vote and we they're open for discussion and some of those things but primarily there are a couple of other monks who deal with all of those things so I really don't have to and again that's not to free me up to be a lazy bachelor but rather to free me up to do ministry and spend time in contemplation and explore the mysteries, so I can offer those treasures but you're really someone who lives in, those, in that setting, and you do need to pay attention to finances, and you need to be able to provide for yourself and very soon for your wife and, God willing, for your children. And, and so those are important things to think through, and I love the way that you've come to understand that, that you break things down into days. I think just having a budget
0: is mm-hmm.
1: a quantum leap for people that you actually have a budget and that you're faithful to a budget is a huge step and then to break it down like you said in terms of how much savings and how much the idea of having $1,000 or $2,000 in the bank for somebody who's just coming out of college is like having a mint but then when you start looking at it in realistic terms oh that's going to get me through a week or a month with a family it's going to get me through maybe even less time than that that's not really that much savings. I mm-hmm. need to keep building that up, but you don't know that unless you have a budget. You don't, unless you know how much everything costs over the course of a month, you don't realize that the exorbitant amount that you're paying for cable might be better invested somewhere else. It might be better to have some savings than to have 17,000 channels or uh, 100 movies a day in Netflix or whatever. Mm-hmm. But anyway, un- unless we see those things in context, unless we see them all together on one balance sheet, then it's really easy to delude ourselves and to think, oh, it's only 70 bucks. 70 bucks isn't that much. Well, 70 bucks times 12 for the rest of your life is a fair amount of money.
0: Oh, well, it, yeah. it, it adds up for sure. And one of the things that I'd recommend everyone since the vast majority of Americans... Do not pay with cash anymore. We pay with one format of card or another. And what I would recommend is that you you actually go through your statements and just see what am I actually spending my money on? Because in the time, in the moment, you know, you just give them the card and you don't really think about it. Here, you know, I'm out shopping. You know, I need to get this, that, and the other. And then when you sit back at it in your house, go, okay, I spent this much money this month. What did we actually put into? And most people can find a lot of holes that they can just cut out or trim down that end up being really beneficial. Because one of the worst things you can do is keep the riding balance on the credit card. Because basically, you're never going to get out of that unless you substantially address it. And it is one of the things in life that it's... There's a reason Visa is one of the most top five profitable countries in, or companies in the country. You know, that credit card interest builds up and you think about it they're billing you interest on that Starbucks coffee that's not a big price tag it adds up over everything especially when you compare it to something like a car they make more money than General Motors and every other car company in the world by the way so that's, a, um, that's just something to think about uh, out there as, as you're swiping your cards all the time There's there's a reason they exist and it's not for helping you it's to help them make money I mean, yes, there is a very big benefit to having credit. I'm not trying to discount that, but keeping riding interest on credit cards with a double-digit interest rate, it's not going to be profitable in the long term, and really where I would start by recommending everyone to get rid of first. So, side story. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those interesting consequences, practically
1: speaking, of being a monk. Uh, since I joined the monastery in 1998, I have not had a credit card. Mm-hmm. I have... a. Uh, I have a debit card that I can use for some online purchases, but that's connected to a bank account. Mm-hmm. I do not have a credit card. And uh, I haven't missed it. The only place that I run into a little hitch from time to time is in the inability to rent a car <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> sometimes because <laughs> they won't accept debit cards the, the majority of
0: them anyway. So but yeah, you can get along just fine. Yeah, I mean that, that that's one. And on a side note, when you do use your debit card, make them run it through the credit process is a complete side story um, and that's because of all the identity theft out there. There's a lot more protections you get when it's the same card s- connected to the same bank account, but it's run through the credit process instead of the debit process. Um, hmm. And interesting part of the reason gets back to what I was just saying, when it goes to the credit side, it's Visa's, a MasterCard's problem. When it goes to the debit side, it's the local bank's problem. And when you look at the size and scope, Visa's a whole lot bigger and they have a whole lot more um, resources to be able to, to fix problems than, than your local bank. So that's just a side story for people who want some finance information. So one of the things that that I also wanted to get to in this conversation was, a converse, was something that came up during our wedding planning. And it was going back to what you're saying about immaturity um earlier earlier in the cast was that sometimes as we were growing up you don't realize you're capable of something and you still have the framing you thought when you were five that oh i can't bake something that's what mom does or i don't know how to grill or drive or whatever you know it's there's just a list of stuff that you get when you're five that that's what adults do and then one day you wake up and you are an adult and you realize oh i guess i can do this and i think that everyone has their own examples of that but one of them that didn't dawn on me until about a week or so ago is when we were in our marriage course and they were saying you know the most practical thing you can do to prevent A divorce in your marriage is to practice natural family planning, and the statistics on that is only two to four percent of couples who actually do that experience a divorce. So I'm like, all right, that's interesting. And she's talking about how that's a correlation, not a causation. So she's starting to rattle off things that might actually be causing this. You know, to do that, you have to have a lot of respect for each other. You got to be able to have conversations with each other. You got to be on the same page. In a lot of ways, and then the 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 priests basically said, he "Goes the cause is God, because that's something that's holy, and you're you're being faithful to each other." And I had one of those little light balls about five year old me being that. Wait, normal people can be holy, and I really until that moment didn't think of that as an option or as as a practical thing. I thought that that was something that's kind of mythical and beyond and that's probably an important step that really made me think differently but that's a uh, a thing that I think that most of us never really grasp kind of regardless of your age cuz you know at some point you need to learn how to drive a car so that's no longer an adult thing you get your license for that but to me could put black and white that you can be holy Um, as a regular everyday person is something that never crossed my mind so A, is that even an accurate statement and B, how do we develop it
1: well let me take this from another perspective Joe and say that if you're baptized you're not a regular everyday person that being baptized changes you to the core of your being and consecrates you to God in Christ. And that's, I think that's really the root of the problem is that we've lost a sense of what baptism means. We've made it a kind of cultural practice that you just kind of do, and then people who don't even believe in God are still having their kids baptized. And But baptism changes us to the core of our being, and it changes us for all eternity, and it changes us into... Members of the body of Christ were grafted onto this tree of Christ, and we have divine sap flowing in us. And so I should just make the statement everybody is called to baptism. Mm -hmm. That's a gift that God extends to everybody. And then baptism has with it everything that's necessary to make us saints. To make us holy so it's actually a problem if we are baptized and we are not growing in holiness that's a problem that means that we've got the it's like to, we've been talking with all this financial imagery you know it's like you've got this inheritance of of trillion, a trillion dollars but you're like oh I'm not I, you know I don't want to work with that I'm just going to stick to the stuff that I can kind of do on my own and earn on my own like if we're not using that inheritance what in the world are we doing mm-hmm. but we, are, we have been given so much in baptism theological virtues, the indwelling of Christ love, the infused virtues, his own human virtues we have been given so much in baptism if we're not using it what are we doing? one of the baptized is also given everything that's necessary to
0: become a saint. So, Father, my question for you here is, kind of down the direction that we go with everything, is how? You know, we... yeah, How do you become more holy? And that might be a really rudimentary, elementary question that I'm just obviously missing on the wall, but I I just dawn on me, I can do it. The next question is, how can I?
1: Well, and the answer is kind of everything that you would expect. Uh, Live the gospel. (laughs) That's the essential thing. We have to make the effort to live the gospel, and that is the whole range of things. Maybe a simpler way to say it is that we take seriously our discipleship, that we really become disciples of Christ. What do we see in the gospel? We see that The disciples, the apostles, spent their time with Jesus. They walked with him. They listened to him. They tried to act like him. They did as he did. So that's the very simple summary response. And then we can start peeling the layers. Well, how do you listen to him? How do you talk to him? What did he do? How do you act the way that he did? And those are all the kinds of things that we've been discussing over the last several months in terms of prayer. Mm -hmm. When we take time in prayer and we speak to Jesus when we read from sacred scripture and we allow him to talk to us when we take time in silence and we allow the resonance of his voice to kind of rise up from our hearts when we look at scripture and we see the ways that he loved the poor that he cared for his brothers and sisters that he promoted family life that uh, living out all of those aspects of course the whole sacramental life of the church going to mass going to confession uh, our regular times of prayer and worship, participating in ministries in the church, caring for the poor, going to uh, taking care of our poor family members, and also caring for the the marginalized in society. That, anyway, all of those normal things in the Christian life, those are precisely the ways that we grow in holiness. And we discover, as we do it, that they get easier, they get more enjoyable, they get more rewarding, and we're more and more committed to them, and we start to hear the Lord's voice more as we pray, we're able to speak to Him more easily, we have a real relationship with Him, all that just kind of develops over time. It's certainly a life project, and so we shouldn't expect instant results to return to that theme. Mm-hmm. But as we enter into that life project of discipleship, we find that it really grows, and our freedom expands, and our charity grows, and we become more holy, simply
0: said. Fair enough. <laughs> so, um yeah, that, that was one of the things that, that, that came to me that you know I didn't even think of, and uh, and and you know, so 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 natural. A couple questions came out of there was one of the, the, the ways is just kind of live Christ every day, but don't necessarily talk it. You know, just do it, and people will go off of your example, and that has become very prevalent in the business world. You know, just try to do what's right, but don't actually mention why you're doing it's right or any of the religious church teachings behind it. You know, in this country at least, there's a separation of church and state. There's not a separation of church and business, and there doesn't have to be. But social wise there's this wall there. And I guess I have two questions for that. A, is that a problem? And B, is it something that should be done about it?
1: Well, it is precisely the call of the Second Vatican Council that the lay faithful should be 11 in the world, that by filling you up with Christianity Mm -hmm. and then sending you out into the midst of the business world, it should infuse the business world with Christianity. The same thing with politics, the same thing with medicine, the same thing with on and on. And so, yeah, we need Christian business owners. And there are great examples of that. Mm-hmm. There are there are people who, first of all, bring Christian ethics into practice that someone should be able to look at your business and your employees should feel that they are in a Christian business. I know in our own work at We Are One Body Radio, obviously that's very explicitly Catholic, but it's also a business. We have... Wages salary, we have uh, human resource uh, manual, we have business practices and we had to develop all of that and we did our best to use Catholic social teaching to guide us in that so we have like we have a day of recollection for example, for our employees right now during Advent and Lent every year we have a day of recollection we provide uh, opportunities for ongoing formation in terms of faith development and uh, we we certainly work hard to provide a living wage and to provide wages according to the the mind of the church, uh, the the kinds of benefits that we offer and the things that we support as a business. All of these things are guided by Catholic social teaching. Uh, and then, what businesses support in terms of charitable outreach, uh, the kinds of discussions that we have in the workplace. The sorts of virtues that we expect, or the way that performance evaluations are done—all of these things can be guided by by our Catholic faith, and so there's a lot of opportunities to bring Christianity into every dimension of our lives.
0: Mm-hmm. So um, that's that's one of the things that you know I've been trying to to figure out of, of how to do that. You know, I know that, that we've bought in, bought houses in in areas that need they need rehabs. I mean, just the, the neighborhood needs to get the situation that was in this house out. Now, the cynics might sort of cynicism might say that, all right, so you did this house. Let's keep them from going to another house around the corner. And I guess ultimately nothing. And there's nothing I can do about that, but in the short term, at least, but in the long term, it's totally possible that every house in the neighborhood gets redone. And, it just gets forced out because there's no more vacant houses for them to to do problem activity X or whatever it is. So that is kind of our thought process behind it is that we might not be able to fix it all immediately or even all of it, but we can do something that would put it in the right direction, and that's um, that that's part of what, what I was thinking there and. Um, I, I, it's one of these that's things. That's awesome. Yeah, it's one of these things that never really hit me that you can that holiness can be in anything, almost, or anything that's positive towards God. And it was something that I never really thought of, and it's, um, it's like I said, it's, it's kind of one of those things that that as I mentioned before, that that you know teachings of it. It's kind of like waking up and getting the crust out of your eyes and starting to be able to uh, to see almost exactly as the way it's described in the gospel there that Jesus puts mud over the guy's eyes wipes it away and it's starting to be able to come together and this is a um, this is an example of that I guess I, I never thought that this was something out there that was was doable like that I guess is the way to say that
1: that's awesome yeah and in response to the cynic of course you can't do everything but you can do your part and as someone in real estate that's the part that you can do is to rehab some houses to bring in some uh... good people to do your part law enforcement has to do its part the neighborhood has to do its part other local business owners have to do their part to hire people to provide jobs everybody has to do their part but that's the point that we should be working together we should be the body of christ and so if each of us does our part and we're sensitive and supportive of other people doing their part a lot can happen beautiful things can happen and i have to do my part in preaching to someone like you or in nourishing with the the spiritual life the, the faithful who might be in that space and might be able to make a difference so all working together a lot of great things can happen i just want to make one comment too uh, mm-hmm. i always like to connect these two dots because we often think of them in separate spaces. Holiness seems to have this uh, kind of magical sheen to it. But in a Christian context, holiness is charity. Holiness is charity. God is love. Holiness is God. God is love. Holiness is love. And so if we can connect those things together, charity, love, holiness, God, all of that is one. Growing in holiness is
0: growing in charity. So, Father, I want to definitely thank you for that explanation. That's something that I had never really thought of or connected those dots at all, didn't even know those dots were there to connect. Um, Probably part of this going through everyday life and not thinking about it as deeply as I ought to. So hopefully that this cast, I know it went in a lot of different directions about holiness and financial well-being. Hopefully it is helping and giving you dots in your own life that you're seeing as far as what's out there to be able to grow closer to god and the importance of that which is the goal of this cast so we hope that it's, it's helping everyone out there and we greatly thank you guys for subscribing to us and leaving us the reviews that you have and uh, we hope that you have a great week and we look forward to talking to you next week